Welcome to the Wolverine Digest podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. I was going to start by saying go blue. Fading it on out on a Monday evening. Good luck. Or good, good luck. Good God. I can't even speak. Good luck, everybody. Good evening, everybody, is what I was trying to say. Uh, I were at the press conferences earlier today. Jim Harbaugh was, uh, he's been pretty chipper. I actually heard some people talking about that, Chris. I don't know if you, if you picked up on that. I think we were, you were on one side, I was on the other, but I heard some people just talking like, man, like he, something's up with Jim Harbaugh. He's just, He's happy. He's chipper. He's smiling all the time. And I was like, I was kind of overhearing it. I just kind of chimed in. I'm like, yeah, winning 40 games in three years will do that to you. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think that's obviously a big part of it. He knows his team is really good. He's had two really good years in a row uh, on his way to a third. Um, you know, you and I have talked about it. They're really not going to be challenged. It doesn't look like until mid November. I mean, they're going to march out to seven or seven and oh or eight no or whatever whatever the mark is nine and oh nine and oh yeah before they, okay before they before they face penn state and uh yeah so jim jim harbaugh does have a lot to smile about a lot to be happy about um most notably the most recent win over rutgers 31 to 7 uh was the final for the wolverines and really we talked about this on on saturday chris like Michigan played like 59 minutes of almost perfect football. They gave up a 70-yard yeah. touchdown right out of the gate. Rutgers was up 7 to nothing with 14 minutes left in the first quarter, and that was it for the whole rest of the day. Um, you said 38-13. to 13. Trent said 38-10. to 10. I said 42-17. to 17. I thought they'd finally eclipse that 40 mark. They still have not. I guess we'll get into that a little bit and see if that really matters at all. Um, but I guess just thoughts again, now that we've had a couple days to digest it, you know, we spent 15 minutes talking about it on Saturday afternoon as soon as the game ended. But where are you feeling now after uh, hearing Jim Harbaugh talk, hearing Trevor Keegan talk, J.J. McCarthy talk? They all spoke today, and now here we are getting ready for the first road game of the season. Yeah, I mean, you feel good about the team. Obviously, four and zero is four and zero, and and that's exactly where you want to be. And I think I said this, um, you know, when we did our post game show that you know you're you're number two in the country, you're undefeated, you've done exactly what you wanted to do through this point of the season, and all your goals are still in front of you. So as as a as a fan and somebody who covers a team, I think it's really hard to ask for for any more. Um, you know, hate to harp on it. Has it has it looked exactly the way we all thought it was going to look going into the season? It hasn't, but you know that that's kind of been the mo for Michigan over the last two years. Is there's certain things you thought you might see going into the year, like last year it was you know this is the year JJ is going to carve it up. As soon as he wins that starting job, it's going to be you know slice and dice uh, through the air, and it, it really didn't look like that. It was a heavy ground attack, and and Blake Corum became a Heisman Trophy front runner, and. And that's what that team looked like. And I think we're all still trying to figure out, you know, what what is this Michigan team ultimately going to look like at the end of the, at the end of the season? What will be the identity? Right now, 
that's like the biggest question mark for me. I don't know that there's anything that I'm really concerned with, but, and we'll get into it in the burning questions. I think given what the non-conference schedule was and then what we saw against Rutgers, and then when you look at the remainder of the schedule, I mean, Brennan, the next five teams that they play total are 9-11 and 11 right now, right? Yeah. Under 500 combined. Their last three games of the season combined 12-0. and 0. Maryland, Ohio State, Penn State, all undefeated at this point. And dude, so is, this, is this is this the year for your Terps, dude? Are they for real? You know, I, I they might be. They they might be for real. Who knows? But but <laughs> in, in, as far as it relates to Michigan, uh, you know, some of these teams that played a tough non-conference opponent early in the year, win or lose, got to find out a little bit about themselves and where they're at as a program. And unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have to wait until 10 weeks into the season until we really get a sense of you know just how good the Wolverines are. And, and that uh, makes me feel a little bit uneasy. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, well, they're going to get a little bit of a test this weekend. I mean, I, you know, I don't think either one of us think that Nebraska is all that good. They do a couple interesting things and it is a, it is a road game. You know they're going to be. I mean, they're going to be treating this one like their Super Bowl. Number two, Michigan is coming to their house. Um, thus far, Michigan has won pretty easily, and I don't know. I, I wonder, you know, how if it if it'll need to look any different. I would, you know, I see some people in the comments talking about, you know, Michigan hasn't quite opened it up yet, and they haven't done everything that they need to do. I felt like they called some pretty good plays against Rutgers, and Jim Harbaugh said the same. He said that Sharon Moore called a gem of a game mixing in some you know some tricky stuff here and there and just the good balance and stuff so I I felt like they called a pretty open game against Rutgers I don't feel like it was a super vanilla approach but yeah you wonder what it'll look like in Nebraska it's going to be loud it's going to test the communication a little bit Trevor Keegan talked about that today JJ McCarthy obviously will we'll deal with that as well so yeah I'm I do think it'll be a little bit more of a test I don't Chris right now it, it would you be more frightened of a Rutgers team or a Nebraska team? Well, if it's Rutgers at home versus Nebraska at, on the at road, their place, at their place, yes, oh, at their place, either uh, one. Yeah, sorry, I should have. Yeah, should have. Yeah, probably Rutgers. That. I mean, it, the Rutgers okay. showed some things. I think that you know, um, I think they're going to have you know for the rest of the way. I, I haven't looked at their schedule, but I think you know that's a, that's a team that's going to win six, seven games. I mean, they you know they they look solid. It's just. The Michigan defense is elite at this point. And, you know, after giving up that first touchdown, Rutgers wasn't able to do anything the rest of the way. And that's kind of what we've seen from the Michigan defense through the first four weeks is that uh, points are tough to come by when facing Michigan. In fact, I think I read a stat, and I don't know where it was. It might have been put out by the, the, the official Michigan social media account. But, I mean, they've the total points that they've allowed through the first four weeks is historic. I think there's only like two or three other teams in Michigan history that have put up fewer. I think they're tied for third least points through four games in all, all time in Michigan history. So the, the defense is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. But then you go back to, okay, well, it's ECU, you know, that I think is maybe lost. They're one in three at this point. Um, UNLV has a decent, you know, record. Bowling Green is what they are. Rutgers is what they are. But how impressive is it? I don't know because the given the competition, it's really hard to say. Like, is this the same type of output we're going to see against, you know, even a Nebraska or a you know Minnesota on the road? When when are we going to truly know just how good the defense is, just how good the offense is? 
Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it feels like last year. We kind of said the th- same thing last year. I mean, there was a stretch for – I don't know. There just wasn't a Michigan's winning and winning by quite a bit and winning big games, winning on the road and Blake Corum scoring all these touchdowns. Donovan Edwards looks like, you know, one of the best backup, if you want to call him backup running backs in the country as a sophomore. And everybody was just kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Like seriously, that's like for a month straight, you and I, I mean, we would look at the analytics. We'd look at the interaction. We'd look at, I mean, the viewers on the lot, all of everything. Everybody's just kind of like, yeah, well, Michigan's going to win again because they're not playing anybody, and they're going to win again, and they're going to win again. And yeah, we're really not going to know maybe until you know that that tilt in uh, in Happy Valley. I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, dude, most years we would say like, well, Michigan State's not that good, but they'll give them a fuck. Dude, Michigan's going to truck Michigan State if they don't. Yeah, I, I, it would be like an otherworldly kind of experience. I really think it's going to be all the way until November until we find out exactly what this team's made of. All right, speaking of that, Chris, here are my five predictions from last week. I missed three of them, uh, and one of them, dude, we talked about it on Saturday. I'm, I'm just going to keep I'm gonna keep guessing until uh, it happens. Donovan Edwards will score a touchdown. He didn't. Again, we're now four weeks into the season, zero scores for Dono. I mean, just quick on that because we did talk about it on Saturday, but it's – crazy i i cannot believe it if you had told me before the season started he's going to be completely healthy going into week five with no touchdowns i would have thought like he switched positions to defense or something yeah well the topic was brought up today um in the press conference with yeah. Harbaugh. obviously we, we heard what his response is and so that'll be part of um of, of our burning questions segment but yeah i, I will say that you, you know, had you told me four weeks into the season that he wouldn't have had an offensive touchdown, whether it be on the ground or through the air, yeah, I would have at least assumed uh, that the yards were, you know, maybe no scores, but you know, 300, 400 yards, you know, some, some sort of, you know, massive play or plays that we would have seen from him um, so far through the year. And it just hasn't really happened. Jim Harbaugh talked a little bit about that during the press conference, and we'll uh, we'll elaborate on that a little bit later in the show. Yeah. Number two, I said that J.J. McCarthy will run it five or more times, and he did, and quite successfully, yeah. actually. I think technically he ran it six times. He was down for seven carries, but in college, a, a sack is considered a rush. So anyway, I think he had six runs, a couple designed ones and a couple just breaking out of the pocket for 51 yards. It went exactly how I thought. I thought Greg Shiano would bring a little bit of pressure, might flush him out. And I thought big 10 play. Okay. He'll keep a couple on a couple zone reads. And he did that. And he, he talked about that today. Got, got out of bounds. Didn't really take many hits and was still effective. Moved the chains, kind of picked up some first downs. I thought I'd still, I'm, I like running quarterbacks, and JJ has shown that he can really go and put, you know, pick up some yards. So I'd like to see it about that much every game, maybe more. But it was it was about perfect, I guess, with with the seven carries for fifty one yards. Yeah, I certainly don't. You know, you know by now that I don't subscribe to the secret playbook sort of idea that <laughs> right, gets floated right. out there. But I will say, you know, seeing that wrinkle uh, in the offense this weekend. I was encouraged by what I saw because you can tell when JJ on the read option when he pulls it and goes, he can be a he can be a problem out there. And if Michigan really commits to that uh, in any given game, that's going to give a defense some fits. And and another thing that I was encouraged to see was on that on one specific play where it was a read option. He got out. He got the first down. 
he actually kind of ran backwards to give himself a little bit of time to get out of bounds. And so you see kind of the maturity, mm. you know, Sharon Moore in his ear about, we need you to protect yourself. We need you around. We need you healthy. You know, he's, he's taking those things in and, and he's utilizing it on the field. And I do think that as, as you get into the latter parts of the season, and I know that Donovan hasn't popped off yet, but if you've got to deal with a Donovan, Blake Corum, and J.J. McCarthy on a read option, plus you've got Roman Wilson out there running around, I mean, that's it's going to be a problem for any defense that they're facing. It just It's hard to be patient to see it all come to fruition. You can see glimpses of it and flashes of it, uh, and I think Saturday was encouraging. Yes, sir. Number three. I th I thought this would be I thought this would be the week because I thought Michigan and to some extent I mean we saw the starters were in there most of the game I think actually I think JJ played the whole game I think they got some running backs so. they got Blake and got Donovan out maybe mixed up some linemen a little bit yeah. yeah but I think JJ was in there the whole time I thought Michigan would break forty I thought this would be the week I thought Rutgers might you know challenge them a little bit more than the previous three opponents turned out that was not the case other than the one play at the beginning, uh, Michigan finished with 31. So I, I guess, I mean, the score is what the score is, but that 40 mark, I mean, like Michigan's not scoring that many points. Is is that a problem? Well, I think it's, there's a couple things, and Trevor Keegan talked about it a little bit today, um, you know, during the press conference, the the new clock and the rules. I mean, you're, you're limited yeah. to offensive possessions, and you really got to maximize it. And I know Michigan put up 31 points, but seven of those points came courtesy of Mike Samer still on a pick six. Mm -hmm. So really, you know, I just, I think what's become abundantly clear is that the Wolverines are not concerned with how many points they put on the board so long as it's more than, than their opposition. That's, that's really what I think. And I think they're going to play to whatever strengths they need to play to, to beat that particular opponent that's in front of them on that given weekend. Um, of course, we thought they would have gone over 40 points. I mean, we saw last year, I think against UConn, they put up 50, you know, and, and we've seen this offense have um, have some explosiveness to it. But I think this year they're a little bit, I don't want to say snake bitten, but I think they've learned from some things last year. You know, you, you beat up on a UConn, you beat up on a, you know, Hawaii, you beat up on some of these non-conference opponents, but you also pay the price. I mean, Donovan Edwards, I think his thumb injury, it was either his thumb or his knee injury occurred in week two against Hawaii. And we saw what happened to Blake Corum, you know, what he was dealing with, and then later in the year how it took him out. So, and Jim Harbaugh referenced that a little bit. You know, he talked about the running backs and wanting to keep all the tread on the on the tire as much as he could. So I think Michigan is content with you win on the scoreboard, you keep your guys healthy. Doesn't matter if it looks flashy and you live to fight another week. And that's what they're doing. And and it's gonna be that way for you know, at least the next, you know, until we get to week 10, until we get to Happy Valley and they really need to pull some things out. This is this is what we're going to see out of Michigan for the next several weeks. I that's a good point, a really good point that you made about the the clock. And I, I hadn't really I hadn't really thought of it that much, but I what was really they, they had four possess four offense four offensive possessions in the first half. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did he say they had seven total? Is that what it Seven was? Total, maybe I don't know, something like that. But it I mean, low. it seemed it's low. Yeah. yeah, I was really impressed by Trevor Keegan's understanding of the rule and how much it was affecting their offense, and how important that made long sustained drives. He referenced the eight minute drive. He's like that. That's you know the way that we play. Like you know, for, well, you have to be efficient. If you're not going to get the ball that many times, you got to score when you do have it. Michigan's typically historically been pretty good at that under Jim Harbaugh and with JJ McCarthy leading the offense. So 
Yeah, that's not a lot of opportunities. They didn't run that. I was going to look that up real quick while you were talking to. I forgot how many offenses. And it was confirmed. Yeah, ran. seven, seven, seven uh, possessions. possessions yeah. And they ran a total of sixty-three plays, which is actually still a pretty good number. But I mean, teams routinely hit the eighty mark on on plays, and so Michigan, you know, is going to be less than that because of how they uh, how they play. I know. Yeah, Dwayne down there mentioning the time of the game. I know when we were getting ready to leave, Trent looked over at me. He's like, "This game didn't even take three hours. It was, it was like two fifty four when we got out of the press box." Yep. So all of that, all of that does does factor into the slightly lower scoring, especially when you play an offense like Michigan does. Um, yeah, you're you're not gonna score the sixty points or the fifty points like we've seen in recent years. So yeah, that'll be something to get used to. And again, Jim Harbaugh said. I mean, he doesn't care if you win by a hundred or by one. A win is a win, and he's yep. trying to keep guys healthy and trying to get out of there. And that's that's what we've seen so far. I was really really happy to get this one right, Chris. Number four, the secondary is intact. Rod Moore was back. Makari Page, Will Johnson, Josh Wallace, uh, Mikey Sainer still. The 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 boys are back in town, so to speak. I do think uh, Rod Moore came out just a touch rusty. Took pretty bad angle, whiffed on a tackle on that long touchdown, but. You know, it's great to have them back out there. I think the secondary is another group on the field that needs to gel, like the offensive line. A lot of communication, a lot of moving parts, a lot of passing guys off when you're in zone, just different stuff like that. That The only way to get better at it is to be on the field with each other. This is the first time, the first time all season. Uh, and, you know, so to give up the one big play and then shut everything down after that, I thought was a pretty good sign, but obviously love seeing Rod Moore out there in the, in the number nine jersey this week. Yeah, and we talked about it on our pregame show on Friday, and, and I think you had asked the question, or it came up last week, um, if we didn't see the full slate of guys back, would there be some concern? And and it was really nice to see Will Johnson and Rod Moore out there and, and playing a majority of the game because that that element to their defense is so critical down the stretch. And, and you wanted to make sure, like, is whatever injury they're battering, battling, is, is it serious? Is this something that's going to linger long right. into the year? Or is this precautionary just given what the non-conference schedule looks like? And I think Saturday answered that question. Yeah, it was... It, it had been tricky. We talked about this multiple times too. Every week, just about the guy, they're out there warming up. They, you can't tell what's even ailing them. They're in, you know, and then the game starts and the gloves come off and they're just kind of standing there. And I think Rod Moore actually was he in street clothes multiple times or was it just the most recent game? I forget. Not that it matters at this point, probably, yeah. but great to see that five, that core group of five guys out there because I think it's, I think it's a really, really freaking good group. I mean, Josh Wallace, we're still learning about him a little bit, but the other four invaluable to this defense's success. And it was good to see them all out there on Saturday. And last but not least, I got it wrong, but I was close. Gavin Wimsett did not throw an interception coming into the game. Well, he threw a big one, obviously on Saturday, Mikey Sainer still took it back 70. Was it 71 or 67? Yard, whatever it was for a pick six, big play, um, they only got him once. I thought they would pick him off twice. I thought Rutgers was going to have to throw it around a bunch and they kind of did, but at the end of the day, uh, Michigan just got one pick on him. So yeah, I, we've always What's talked about that's name? hard Wh to do. When's that? Is this Gavin? Wimsett? Wimsett? Yeah. They, however you pronounce it. I mean, there were a couple of throws, couple throws he made, at least from my angle that, that were pretty impressive, whether it was on, I think, I think maybe well, a he's couple got an arm. Now. Yeah. yeah, they they needed a play out of him, and you know it's it's clear that he has the ability to to obviously make some plays, but yeah, Mike Sainer still, um, you know, 
we you've said it multiple times. We've talked about it on the show. A guy who's always in the right place, right time. Just he, yeah. he is a playmaker. Um, and that was also something that Jim Harbaugh talked about a little bit. Put that out uh, in an article earlier that you know Mike Sainer still is already a Michigan legend, and I I think any Michigan football fan you talk to will will sign off on that uh, gladly. And it's just really cool to watch his transformation and just how important, even when you get guys back like Rod Moore and Will Johnson, Mike Sainer still still shines in that secondary. He's still the guy leading the way. He's the quarterback on the defense. You can see it when you're down there. He's making calls. He's talking to everybody. You just can't overstate how important he is to what they do defensively. And it's, uh, man, it's a pleasure to watch, and he's going to be sorely missed when he moves on. (laughs) I tweeted this out. I tweeted this out during the game, but I wanted to call attention to it again. On that play, it was such a like a cluster over there that most of most of the players on both teams didn't really realize what happened until Mikey kind of came squirting out the backside. But one of the one of the first people to recognize it was Big Kenneth Grant. Yeah. He got on his horse. He got out in front of Mikey at first. Of course, Mikey passed him, but then he peeled back and and blocked Wimsett who may have had a chance to catch Mike. I don't think so. I mean, Mikey's got some wheels, but Wimsat's a great athlete. He can really run, and it would have made it a little more interesting at at the very least. But, you know, Grant kind of peeled back and just plowed him, and then he's, you know, he's jumping. It was was just awesome. I mean, that's a a 340-pounder out in front on a pick six blocking for his guys, and you love seeing that on the replay on the table. I actually – it's one of the things I love about doing the photography is, you know, I'm I'm one person down there, so I'm switching between video and camera all the time, and I just happened to be clicked on video during that play and got – and I'll put it up on the Facebook page, but just such a great view of that and what you're talking about because – Will Johnson makes a play on the ball and you can see he does sort of like the seatbelt celebration or whatever. And then Mike, all of a sudden he like turns around and looks and like sees Mike Sainer still. And then across the camera, you see Sainer still just blazing fast. And then, yeah, in the background, you can see Kenneth Grant sort of celebrate. It was just, it was a perfect example of how the play is never, I mean, it's never really over until Mike Sainer still says it's over. And you've got a bunch of guys that are celebrating, thinking thinking it's done, and here's Sainer still on his way for a pick six. And I, I just thought it was such a such a cool thing to go back and watch how the team reacted to it because, again, opportunistic. He's always in the right place at the right time, making plays that a lot of guys just won't make. Yeah, and by the way, number 72 for Rutgers was one of the largest dudes I've ever seen. Big man, yeah. Eight three forty five. He was listed at. He's standing there like picking his nose as Mikey just goes right, like right around the rear end. <laughs> didn't know where the ball was. Didn't know where the ball was. Didn't know the play was alive. I'm so glad the refs didn't blow it dead because everybody, like even Jim Harbaugh said, I didn't know where it was. I thought right. maybe it was a incomplete pass and Mikey just picked it up because that's what we're taught to do. And I mean, dude, you watch it again. You watch it back on replay. It was an incredible break on the ball. Great catch. Keep his balance. I mean. 240 pound junior Colson jumped on his back basically. And he stayed up and yep. it was an incredible play, incredible play from start to finish and really got the big house rocking. I know Mikey was, uh, you know, had to be ecstatic with the, with the turnout of that play. And obviously everybody else was do the, what's he do the, the ozone 
Is that what it is? I think he does the Z on the side. Yeah, something like that. Well, and then there was a dude in the, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a dude in the crowd that was, I don't know what super, it's from Incredibles, I think. The guy yeah. that, the ice, in the crowd, like in the second row, like in the full getup that Mike yes. ran directly over to and, and singled him out. So That's hilarious. I did not and, see that. And I don't know, you know, we talk about drip all the time. I don't know if you've seen this. I've <laughs> caught it in pictures, but uh, Mike Sainer still, one of his thigh pads is actually a giant snowflake. That's pretty. That's pretty icy. That's pretty. Yeah. Cool. The number cool. zero. The 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 snowflake in the in the pads. You wow. Yeah. Frozone. Frozone is the character from The Incredibles. Uh, oh, is that his actual name? Yeah, Frozone. Oh, okay. And I think right. Mikey goes by Ozone with the zero number. I mean, like, I think that's kind of the deal there. And then that dude actually got a very specific um, request played by the DJ. He had a paper sign that he held mm -hmm. up. I saw that. Yeah. They played, <laughs> played a song, which is a little cool. Uzi Vert or something like that. Yeah. He was looking for it. Yeah. Okay. Song that they do that dance to nowadays. But anyway, yeah. I saw that guy. He was on the screen a lot. I did not see that Mikey went over to him. That's pretty cool. So anyway, yeah. there you have it. Uh, I went two for five, but again, you know, trying to be, I, I don't know how many times I can be wrong about Donovan Edwards not scoring a touchdown. I mean, that one seems to be like it needs to happen. Well, but, law of averages, Brandon. Law of I averages says it will change in the near future. Has well, to. We will, we will get into that shortly. But before that, Mr. Bryler. This fucking guy. Before that, it's everybody's favorite segment. I think one of the very this guy. first comments of the show here tonight probably stole the thunder a little bit, but we'll do it anyway. This guy. I'm going to turn the music back off because uh, we don't want to put Chris's headphones into a conniption over there. So the music off as we do the segment, but I think we need to at least hear it before we get going. Chris, mm -hmm. we want to do one, two, three, say it like, uh, you know, like, like uh, Paul Rudd does. On uh, one, two, three, Beatles, Stones, Beatles, Stones, ready, go. And we just say it. Are we going to have the same answer? Let's just say, we'll, we'll say it on the count of three. All right. Count us down, Brandon. Two, three. Ryan Day. Ryan Day. Day. <laughs> Ryan Day. Hands down, zero questions. I questions. hate, I, I hate, I just hate so much that he got the win. It takes the edge off of calling him the TFG a little bit. I mean, he probably, you know, if he could hear us, he'd say, call me whatever you want. We beat Notre Dame in South Bend on a pretty ballsy call. If I'm, I'll, I'll give props for their due. I should have um, said over. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Over. Yes. Notre Dame only had 10 guys on the field. I guess they were thinking Jesus was the 11th one. I heard that joke earlier mm, today. I'm like, nice. okay. what the hell? How do you have that happen on the last two plays of the game? I don't know. But, Jesus but yeah, Ryan Day. Ryan Day, dude. I mean, the guy's shook. His confidence is shook. I know he got a win. It was a big win. Top 10 matchup on the road. Uh, you thought Notre Dame was going to win. I don't know if I ever even actually said. I, I, it felt like a toss-up game to me. I certainly thought when the game was going on that Notre Dame was going to win. And then Ohio State pulls it out at, at the very, very end on a fourth down you know, run when they had no, I mean, that was it. That was, they, they called that play and like, either we're going to score or the game's over and we're losing. So it was a gutsy yeah. call. They got across the goal line. They win the game. And then Ryan, Den, Ryan day completely shows his ass in the post game press conference, which was hilarious. Just taking I mean, I shots at 90 year old. He'd actually shown his ass in the press conference and that, and that had been it. Like, I think I would have had more respect for him doing that. 
Yeah, the Ohio versus the world comment. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? His voice is cracking, and he looks like he wants to cry. And I hate his hat and his face. I just, oh, dude, all of it. Here's what I take issue with. Uh, It wasn't all that long ago uh, where, you know, everybody from Ohio State, and and when you looked on social media, Michigan was just getting cooked and and taking over the polls about – you know, supporting their head coach and holding up the number four and, you know, all the things that they were doing when Harbaugh was suspended. And here you have a guy step to the microphone. Now I get it. It's an emotional win. You know, you're, you're, the adrenaline is pumping. But if you're Ryan Day and that's what you're going to do in the post-game interview, I just thought it was such a clown show. The way that he was, like, frothing at the mouth about <laughs> – Ohio against the world. It's always been Ohio State against the world and yada, 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 and, and you know, calling out Lou Holtz. And I get it. Lou Holtz, you know, he questioned Ohio State's toughness, right? I, I understand that. But just the lack of composure that he had at the end of the game, <laughs> my thoughts exactly. And, and, and I wrote an article about it. To me, I get that he was frustrated with some of the things he heard. But let's not, I mean, let's not bullshit ourselves here. We know what's going on with Ryan Day right now. The 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 question about Ohio State's toughness didn't come from it didn't originate with a Notre Dame game or how they performed against Indiana earlier in the year. The questions about Ohio State's toughness began and started back in 2021 when Michigan pushed him around and bullied him in Ann Arbor. And it continued in 2022 when Michigan did the same thing in Columbus. That's where the questions of, of Ohio state's toughness came from. And guess who was leading the effort and asking those questions, the folks in Columbus, the same people that were calling for Ryan day's job last November. So when he goes to the podium in the press game conference and says, you know, I don't know where that narrative started about our team. Look in your own backyard. It's your started it because you keep getting your ass kicked by Michigan. And so again, was he ranting? Was he all amped up about the game with Notre Dame? Sure. But a lot of that emotion that you saw from Ryan day on Saturday night after that win, that's about Michigan. That is all of the frustration and the weight on his shoulders about not being able to beat Michigan coming out of his pores on national television. And I thought it was just beautiful to watch. To me, my Chantel, my wife, she's sitting next to me on the couch, and she's like, is there something wrong with him? And I'm like, I think there might be. Like, I, I don't know where this interview is going to go. I hope they cut the mic short because the dude was just on one. He was on one. I thought he might had- cry. It had shades to me. It had shades of that politician a handful of years ago that Dave Chappelle made of made fun of when he's like, "We're gonna yeah! go to New York." Yeah, like, dude lost all credibility after that yell. Okay, can you imagine? Can you imagine if Jim Harbaugh did oh, that? Oh, dude, post game something like that where Michigan against the world, and I love my guys, and where the hell is Lou Holtz right now? Like, it, it would you would never hear the end of it. But because Ryan Day did it, you Howard see these Dean, Buckeye dude. fans rushing to his defense. It's like, oh, nice job showing emotion, and he loves his players. It's just beautiful to watch. That was a clown show, and anybody that says anything different is they're just not being real about it. That was a clown I show. I feel like I need to Photoshop his head onto that politician at the podium and call him Ryan Dean or Howard Day, <laughs> one of the two. Thank you for that, Matt Kirby. Yes, Howard Dean. Where he just and everybody was like. Well, that guy's off the ballot. It was like instant. The second he did that, they were like, get rid of this clown. 
And that's how I felt about Ryan Day in that moment. I'm like, wow. Um, it reminded me of like back in the day when, uh, you know, they used to take the microphone back uh, where Hulk Hogan was standing before a match or the ultimate warrior. And you would ask him a question and then you would just get this bizarre response. <laughs> Okay, brother. Yeah, like Let me tell you something. Just yelling nonsense. Yeah. It's us against the world out there, brother. Mike Tyson. I'm gonna eat his children. Like, all right, and, Mike. Just relax. can we also can we also do this? Can we not let Ohio State, their fans, their coaches, and their players adopt this victim mentality oh, where boy. They're they're like the stepchild of college football. Give me a break. Can we stop with this narrative that like it's you know Ohio against the world and we don't get a fair shake in this? And it, I'm tired of that narrative already. Can we just not allow them to do that and own that, please? Oh yeah, <laughs> right. little Macho Man Randy Savage. Let uh, me tell you something, <laughs> brother. You gotta throw the brother in there at the end. It really, really ties the quote together. All right, Ryan Day, clown, whatever. I, I'm pissed that they won like that. I will say I, I did have my post ready. Yeah, finger like on the button, ready to hit send. We're gonna. I'm gonna ask. That'll be part of our burning questions too, because uh, you know how that game played out. I do have some questions about that. But damn it, man, so damn close. Would, would oh, I was. Trevor Keegan said it said it today during the press conference. He was the biggest Notre Dame fan ever that yeah, night. He sure did. And I think we sure all did. were. I would have had the uh, the classic. I use it every time, like Michigan State or Ohio State loses when you're whatever. It's the it's the Jerry Seinfeld. That's a shame. I was eating popcorn <laughs> on the couch. The gift. That's it. You don't say anything. It, people get so mad, and I'm like, how do you even know I was talking about you? Like that's the beauty of stuff like that. Anyway, Ryan Day sucks. All right, let's go on to quickly. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on this. Again, Michigan played well. The pose the possessions were limited. Um, we'll give some shout-outs and give some flowers where they're due. But Pro Football Focus had these three young men as the top grade setters for Michigan on offense. Roman Wilson came in at number one, Chris, with a 74.7. Not as high a grades as we've seen. J.J. was in the 90s. Blake Corum's been in the 90s. But this game, eh, you know, I... I think it'd be cool to go back and dissect exactly why I didn't do that yet. But Roman Wilson with a 74.7. A.J. Barner with a 73.7. Jim Harbaugh has been praising that dude quite a bit. Um, so apparently they, they like everything the, the Indiana transfer is doing. And then Blake Corum, 73.5. He had the 97 yards and the two touchdowns. I, I don't know. I don't think in Blake and uh, J.J. was actually right after that at number four. Uh, on defense, Chris Jenkins scored at 83.9. Derek Moore was 80.2. He had five tackles in the game. Derek Moore showed up in a big way. And then uh, last but certainly not least, Mike Sainer still with a 79.0, obviously the pick six. Uh, I think he had two tackles. Um, again, just kind of always seems to do the right thing at the right time. And, and again, pretty much anything in the 70s is considered like a really good score for PFF. So if you get 80s and 90s, like that's crazy. So all these guys, um, really good days on both sides of the ball, and that's how you get to 31-7. to seven. Chris, any thoughts just over those guys? Roman Wilson, A.J. Barner, Blake Corum on offense, Chris Jenkins, Derek Moore, Mikey on, on uh, defense. Yeah, uh, no, not not really. I mean, guys that you would expect, and I think as it pertains to Roman Wilson specifically, one of the one of the things I love about his game, in addition to you know the, the touchdown catches and, and what he's doing um, as a pass catcher, 
you've heard it from a lot of guys, Jim Harbaugh. You've heard it from the players. He does the little things too. He's blocking really well. Like he is a complete player as a wide receiver. And so again, to see him shine and to be graded out as the highest offensive player after this week, I, you know, it just, it's further confirmation of what I already believe yeah. about him going into the season. And I'm not going to harp on this because Colston Loveland had a phenomenal game. Mm. AJ Barner is grading out well, and Jim Harbaugh is praising AJ Barner. But again, AJ Barner playing more than Colston Loveland. I, I don't know. It just so far well, it's working. AJ Barner has more drip than Colston Loveland. I'll, I'll give him that. He's a he's a might good be drippy guy. A drippy guy. He's got right. the visor. He's got the paint. He's got the leg okay. sleeve. Barner's got some drip. Okay, good for him. Big eighty nine. He looks like a he looks like a house out there, dude. He's a yeah. big dude at yeah. tight end. I mean, like on paper, him and Loveland are pretty close, but Barner looks like noticeably bigger on the field. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there's value in that. Michigan does want to run the ball a lot. They bring in they bring in Trente Jones as the extra lineman. They bring in uh, A.J. Barner as kind of the jumbo tight end. Uh, but he he did. He had more snaps than Colston Loveland. I, I think it's been every week. And that, you know, again, tell me that at the beginning of the season. I'd be like, you are freaking nuts, dude. There's no way. Colston Loveland is not playing the most snaps of any tight end. Well, yeah. that's that's how it's going so far. Again, he had a great day. Colston Loveland had a phenomenal day catching the ball, so you, you can't really complain. I mean, if he plays, he was Michigan's leading receiver. He had five catches for 75 yards. That's a phenomenal day for a tight end, so you can't really complain, but I still think it is a little bit surprising that he's playing technically less than uh, than A.J. Barner, but it's working, so they're going to keep uh, they're going to keep doing it, I would assume. Uh, we're at 37 minutes, Chris. We got burning questions. You ready to fire them off? Let's get to it. Let's get to it. You want to start? Go ahead and start us off this time. I'll kick us off with the burning questions here. Uh, all right. So we, we touched on this a little bit, um, earlier in the show, but I'm going to ask, and it's something I wanted to ask Harbaugh, uh, earlier today. Didn't get around to it. Wasn't sure that I would even get a straight answer, but I'm going to ask you. Maybe you can tell me what you thought his answer might be. Channel your inner Jim Harbaugh here. Oh, boy. Do you think that teams who have a tougher non-conference opponent on you the You know, I really like Christmas. <laughs> oh, wait. That's probably what would have happened. Do you think teams <laughs> that have a tougher non-conference opponent on the schedule uh, early in the season do have an advantage in terms of knowing what they really have as a program, whether it's win or loss, do you think it gives you some sort of advantage early on saying, okay, now we know for sure who we are and, and what we are as a program? Or would you rather just kind of be where Michigan is at right now where you don't have those tough early games and you continue to do a slow burn in the latter part of the season? I've got multiple angles coming at you from this one. I like the question a lot. <clears throat> First of all, Yes, you absolutely would find out more about your team and know what you really have if you play a better opponent. I mean, like that's a no-brainer to me. Is that more valuable than definitely winning and starting seven or eight? No, I think I don't think so. Like with the current format and only four teams getting in the playoff, you just have to win. Like it doesn't, you know, if Michigan's seven and zero with a win over Texas in week two, or seven and zero with a win over ECU. That's the same. But if you lose that game to Texas, it's like it screws everything. So I, I think, yes, you would definitely find out more about your team. How much, what do you really need to work on? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What's your team speed look like? What's your physicality? How's JJ truly reading a D like, yeah, you would learn a lot of those things, but I don't think it's all that more valuable. 
And then to take the other angle that you wanted, there's no way you would have got that answer from Jim. He would have said, oh, we were... He would have said, like, we respect every opponent. There's right. always something you can learn. We're trying to stay healthy. Love seeing the younger. I mean, like, he would have found a lot of ways to answer that question, but he wouldn't have He wouldn't have given you what you were What I was for. looking for. Yeah. Correct. No. Which, and I knew that going into it, which is why I didn't ask it. But I'll be honest, Brandon. And I know you said, you know, if you lose one of these early non-conference games, it puts you in a bad spot. But we've also seen – the the college playoff and now I get it. This is the last year of the four team playoff, and so uh, you know, moving forward, having a tougher non conference opponent early in the season isn't going to be as devastating, regardless of what the outcome is. But you know, I see a lot of people in the comments, and we're talking about because if you lose, if you lose, if you lose, sure. But if you're like Ohio State and you go out and you win a game like that. Yeah. The flip side is that can really set the tone for the remainder of the season as far as how you view yourself as a team and what you're capable of doing. I hate Ohio State with every fiber of my being. Not a big fan of Kyle McCord, certainly not a fan of Ryan Day, but the fact that they went into South Bend at night in primetime and found a way to win that game, you got to give them some credit. Even though it didn't look pretty all the time and the way they won it, there's some question marks there and the Irish only had part of their team on the field for the last play of the game. The Buckeyes still won that game. And so I know a lot of people are concerned about what happens if you lose, but I'm of the mindset of what happens if you win? What does that do to your team? And what do you find out about yourself? And so I do think there's some value in having a tougher opponent earlier in the season to be able to gauge where you're at as a program. I'd rather have it early in the year than have, put it this way. I'd rather have it earlier in the year than to have to wait until week 10 to really find out what we have. Because if you go and you lose to Penn state late in the year with only two games left on the schedule, it almost feels like your back is really up against the wall now because now the margin for error is zero. If you go out early and you lose against a top-ranked team like a Texas or a Bama or a Florida State and you recover and you play the rest of the year well, knowing that you had some things to improve on, you might find yourself in the same boat. So to me, I'd rather see a tougher non-conference opponent early on in the season because it does suck sitting here you know, I watch these big games on TV and I love it. I'm enjoying every single moment of it. And I'm right. feeling like these teams are getting a true sense, you know, Florida State, LSU, Bama, Texas, or Ohio State, Notre Dame, all of those teams that played in those games, they know where they're at now. And and I think Michigan is going to have to wait a while before they know. Yeah, no, the, I, I agree. I, I agree 100%. Um it's it's obvious. I mean, like uh, you know, anybody who's played a sport, like, what's Michigan gonna? How is Michigan gonna learn more about themselves? Playing Bowling Green or playing Notre Dame? Like, it's a no brainer type of question. But you do get into the back and forth, and then it's tough though too because you also have the you also have the argument like if you lose a game in week two, like you are no longer even that team anymore when week ten or eleven or twelve rolls around. So it's right. like it, it's kind. Of, I don't know. There's a lot of ways that you can look at that. Fact of the matter is, if you win, if you just win, it's obviously that that's the best case scenario for Correct. everybody. Like Ohio State, they they lucked up in a lot of ways and got a big win over Notre Dame on the road, top ten early in the season. Now they can they have that in their pocket the whole rest of the way, and that's that's valuable. Um, and it's, yeah, and it's a hell of a lot more fun to watch and cover. I mean, like we've talked about that a lot too from a from a selfish standpoint. You know, we're watching these games and trying to come up with stuff to talk about. The fans aren't really all that into it. And 
yeah, it'd be cool to see Michigan take on one of those teams. And they will. Actually, that was another thing. I was going to write a story about this. Urban Meyer last week kind of put his foot in his mouth about Michigan. Yeah, yeah whatever. He's like, Michigan's doing this, doing that. Last year and this year is the only time Michigan hasn't played like a major power five opponent going back like 40 years. Yeah. It just it's just the way it worked out these last couple. Nobody loves it, but like to suddenly say, and, and by the way, Michigan also doesn't play FCS opponents and they play nine conference games, which the SEC does not. So like it was obviously urban just being urban, like trying to take a shot at Michigan, whatever, fine. Like Michigan's not playing the Citadel, Michigan's not playing Furman. Michigan's not playing whatever team Bobby Boucher played for, right? They're playing FBS teams, not great ones. I'm not saying their non-conference schedule has been great. It has not. Last year and this year, pretty soft. But there's other there's other explanations for it, and there's different things that seemingly got for you. Know, Ohio State just pounded Youngstown State a week ago. What about that? Like, where's yeah. that? Where's that discussion? So anyway, I forgot about that because I was going to do an article and then I didn't. I just felt like, I don't know. Do we go to the Urban Meyer well too much or is there no such thing? I don't think there's any such thing. I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, he's kind of like a gold mine for uh, yeah. you know, people shitting on him. So yeah. you can never go to that well too many times. That cow is always going to be full of milk. <laughs> maybe maybe I can revisit it even, even now that it's been a week. I don't know. We'll see. All right, Chris, mine's pretty straightforward. We talked yep. about Donovan Edwards quite a bit. We're now four games into the season. Just regular season, so eight more games. Give me Donovan Edwards' touchdown total, please, for the rest of this season. Rushing and receiving? Total touchdowns, eight more games. Hmm. Can you even do it? It's a hard one, isn't it? I think, oh, God, it's, it's very difficult. I would say, let me go. I'm, I'm trying to go through opponents, too. Yeah. Seven. Okay. Seven for seven for number seven. That, that's seven that's where seven. I put that number. And, you know, I, I can't remember what he finished at last year, but, you know, we're going to have to see a serious uptick in yeah. – uh, in production, um, in red zone efficiency. I mean, we're going to have to see a pretty big change from what we saw during the first one third of the season. And so comfortably, I would say like, if you put the over under at seven and a half, I'd probably take the under at six and a half. I'm taking the over. It's a tricky question. And that's why I thought it would be just kind of a fun discussion one, because like, if you're going off what you've seen so far, you should say no, like four, maybe like one every other game from here on out would be reasonable. Yeah. But dude, he have three this weekend and like not yeah. surprise anybody. So it is a tough question. I, I like your number seven. I think I was yeah, Brandon, just hearing you say that Donovan Edwards with three rushing touchdowns I know. in Nebraska. I would love. Yes. I hope that's what we see, man. We need to get that from him. He, I, the dude is just so talented. It would that would be a wonderful thing to see, and like most of what we've seen with Donovan Edwards, yards per carry, what he's done through the first four weeks, much of this with one big game, the yeah. numbers look completely different when you average them out over four or five weeks, and and that's what it is. You're really just one big game away. So I I was thinking like five or six. I don't hate your number seven four. Like I said, seems reasonable based on what we've seen. He's not going to go the whole year without scoring for crying out loud, but like. Nope. We're four weeks in, and he hasn't really been all that close. I mean, there were a couple goal line tries where they got stuffed, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh did say kind of. I wondered if he 
said what he said about Donovan being like the feature back at Nebraska. If he was just saying that just to say it, or if they actually were kind of like thinking like, we got to get him going. Like we got to get him going this week. I wonder about that. So anyway, I like your answer. I would say five, but it, it could, I mean, there's no way to know if he start if he suddenly hits his stride, he could score one every week with ease, but do you think it's a concerted effort by by like a conspiracy because they want Donovan so badly to return <laughs> next year because they know they're going to lose Blake? Do you, do you think Michigan's trying to sabotage his statistics to make sure not. he comes back? I hope not, but it's probably going to work. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's probably, it's probably Michigan screwing over Donovan to get him back in Ann Arbor next year. There you go. Uh, listen, this is kind of a playoff of the first question that I had for you, Brandon. Just you know talking about non-conference opponents and, and what that means for a team moving forward. We watched the game. Did OSU's win over Notre Dame change the way that you view the Buckeyes, particularly as it relates to this matchup that, that between Michigan and Ohio State at the end of the year? I mean, do you, do you walk away from watching that thinking, okay, this Ohio State team might be a little more of a problem than I thought prior to that game? No, no, it, it didn't. You know, and I did say... Okay, Notre Dame's at home. I think Notre Dame is Michigan light. I think they're built in a similar fashion. I'd still take most of Michigan's individual players over most of Notre Dame's individual players. It's not a landslide, and I don't know in I don't know Notre Dame's roster in and out. I, I will admit, but when I like, I'm taking JJ over Sam Hartman. It's not by a lot, but I mean, and I'm biased probably, but I like the mobility. He's much. He's a better athlete. I think he's a better passer outside of the pocket while he's moving. Aldrick Estime has been very good as a running back for Notre Dame. He's not my kind of running back. I like speedier guys. I like shiftier guys. So I'm taking Blake and Dono. Um, you know, I know, I know Notre Dame does have some really solid offensive linemen, but dude, who's not taking Michigan's offensive line at this point of the game, you know, this year. Yeah. I've been a little shaky, but based on what we've seen, the returners, Sharon Moore, and then, you know, I, I'm not going to go through every position, but long answer, long story short, it's still in Ohio State. They, they still have a ton of talent. They still are going to figure it out. Kyle McCord was rated ahead of J.J. McCarthy as a recruit coming out of high school. I don't believe it now, but like yeah. there was a reason for it. He's a big, strong kid. He's got a strong arm. They've got the best receiver in football. Travion Henderson is, is scary yeah. if you let him get scary. He had that that long touchdown run that I, I don't think Michigan's backs can do that. I do think Travion Henderson is flat out just faster than Michigan's backs. I don't think he's better. But like he, like I said, that's what I mean by he can be scary if you let him get scary. So no, it really didn't. I mean, I thought Notre Dame would probably win. So you know, kudos to Ohio State for getting it done in there. But Notre Dame boned it, dude. They yeah. they went into that pre, that soft ass prevent and let you know third and whatever the hell it was right down to the goal line, and then playing the last couple snaps with with ten guys. I mean, that's those are losing mistakes in crunch time and they, they made those mistakes. So yeah, Marcus Freeman probably could have been the TFG this week too, for those, those plays, Easy. but um, no, it's, it's Ohio Ryan state. Play. It's Ohio state. They're going to be good. They're always going to play, you know, up to, up to some level of potential because of the talent that they have. But I mean, I still, you know, Michigan still gets them at home this year and beat the shit out of them the last two years. Like I, yeah. I'm not scared of them, but like, they're still a good team. Yeah, I, I would say it it turned it up just a notch. Tiny you know bit? I mean? okay. a, a tiny bit for me, for the reasons I said before, is because 
I think the good thing is you watch Mich- or you watch Notre Dame and Ohio State play on Saturday night, and Ohio State didn't look like this dominant, surefire national championship team. I mean, it was a hard-fought game. Ohio State come out, came out on top, but I didn't walk away from it thinking, my God, Ohio State is going to be a huge problem. What I do think, though, is, is what I said when I asked the first question about being in a game like that is – I do think as it pertains to Ohio State specifically and how they view themselves and the confidence they have now, for them, they've got a big program win under their belt, and I do think that's going to help set the tone for the remainder of the season, and that's something that Michigan's going to have to wait on. So did it increase my concern level for for the final game in November, regular season game in November? Uh, yes, but only by a hair and only because they were in that environment. They, you know, they put themselves in that situation, came out on top. And I don't care who you are when you win a game like that, you know, that, that helps put your team on a, on a different course for the rest of the season. So that's kind of where I'm at. I still think it's going to be Michigan. I still think, uh, you know, you, you get into the big house here, Ohio State. I mean, dude, the energy for that game, the, the pressure on Ryan Day's shoulders. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about that. There's going to be a lot going on for that football game. And, and ultimately, I think Michigan's just too talented. We just need to see the Wolverines play to their full potential. And we really haven't seen that yet. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's. I, I hate to even give them credit, but it's that's a that's a nice win. That's a nice win to go into Notre Dame and get that thing done. If, Mich- if that was Michigan that did that and won that Absolutely. way, we would be feeling great about it. Absolutely. I mean, it, you, you, like I said, you hate to say that. You hate to give them that kind of credit, but it it probably needs to be there. I was trying to find. Um, I don't remember if Donovan Edwards ran track deep into his high school career. Um, he did as a joke. I was just curious because someone was saying, I, I, I personally think Travion Henderson is faster than Michigan's backs, not by a lot, but like he was known as a track speed guy coming out of high school. Like it's not, that's not a big deal. That run was really impressive against Notre Dame. He, of he course he's faster, Brandon. What are you talking about? If, if you want to go by, if you want to go, you know, tip for tat, the, Travion Henderson's hundred meter personal record is faster than Dono's. It's what, whatever. How that was, you? yeah. How dare you yeah, see you know, another right. example of Ohio against the world right there, right there in front of our faces. I just keep it real. I just keep it real. Somebody said, there's no way he's fast. I'm like, well, yeah, there is a way, but it's fine. I, like I said, I don't think he's a better all around back, but straight line speed. I think he's a little faster. Anyway, here we go. My question, Chris, I didn't count, but I think it was like six or seven times. Trevor Keegan today said, "Like we're gonna get the off, we're gonna get it going. It's about to click. We're right there. We're gonna be rolling. Trust." Like I don't know. He said it a lot, yep. and I I think it was just because the way the questions were asked of him, it was just kind of how he ended his answers. But I wanted to ask you: Are we just like Michigan just ran for over 200 yards on Saturday? Blake Corum basically had 100, scored two touchdowns. The quarterback ran well. Donovan was that he didn't have a, a very good game again. I don't think right. He had 13 yards no. or something. Yeah. But point being, they ran for 200, won the game easily. Are we just like really spoiled at this point? where like, we look at that performance and we're like, Oh, that wasn't good. It was Let good. Me Let me ask you this. If we take, and you know, I love the guy, but let's just say for, for the sake of the argument, let's take Donovan Edwards out of the equation and the lack mm-hmm. of production there are the questions still being asked about the offensive line? Because Blake's numbers look pretty damn good. 
JJ ran for 51 yards. The pass blocking pr- production has been great. I think JJ has still just one sack on the year. Did he get sacked against? He got sacked uh, twice. Week, but it still hasn't been a lot. Yeah, it hasn't okay, been so, a lot. So, so, so they're keeping JJ McCarthy clean for the most part. I think a lot of this uh, concern or question about the offensive line is directly related to the lack of production from Donovan Edwards and trying to figure out what, you know, what that issue is. So I think if you take that out of the equation and you look at the rest of the numbers, the offensive line has been great, but yeah, I mean, to your point, I I picked up on it too. Trevor Keegan repeatedly. We're close. We're close. We're close. We're almost there. We're almost there. And I'm like, you know what? I get that they have some things to work on and, 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 you know, communication on the offensive line. They were asked a lot about, you know, how do transfers, how, how easy is it to assimilate and, and be able to pick up and, you know, continue that level of success. And to be honest, I think the Michigan offensive line has been fine. They've played good. Yeah. If, if not for the lack of production from Donovan Edwards, I don't think those questions are being asked at this point. Now, yeah. Was I almost also like- want to make sure that, I'm not saying it's all on Donovan Edwards. There's a lot of moving parts. And even Trevor Trevor Keegan said, like, when things aren't happening, he's like, it's one guy here and there. You know, one guy not doing his job. A couple guys here and there not doing their job. So they, they acknowledge that they've got some some things to do to get better. But But by and large, I think they've played pretty good this far. I think so, too. I almost wanted to be like, Trevor, we're not saying you blow. Like, you know, <laughs> it's not that. It's just like he just kept. Like I said, I think it was more of a product of the questions that were being asked, and that was just kind of how he like ended his statement each time, like kind of the same way. I don't know if he, I don't think he went in trying to convince himself or convince anybody else, but I did think it was. I'm like, dude, he said that like six times now. Like it's almost yeah. there. It's almost there. Like it, it's kind of there. The running game's been no, probably not as dominant as we thought it was going to be, but it's been pretty good. And you're right. You take Donovan out of the equation, and it looks, it looks fine i mean right. well mullings didn't even mention him he came in last week just at the very end and piled off 40 yards rushing i think on six carries so which didn't really I think, help the the donovan edwards right, issue. yeah well you know, I know what i mean like it almost was like okay well if khalil mullings can like you know get the yards and limited carries what's going on with number seven so i think yeah. a lot of the questions about the o-line have to relate or relate to that yeah so i just yeah i thought it was uh thought it was a little bit a little bit uh i don't want to say force but i was like ah, maybe maybe we're asking him about it too much maybe that's kind of how he, he's feeling up there at the podium right now i don't know yeah well i'm gonna move on to the quarterbacks here brandon and this was something also uh that we heard in the press conference today as of now going into week five jim harbaugh still <laughs> still does not know exactly now maybe he does mm-hmm. but We've heard this is new Jim. This is cool Jim. He's given media the answers now. So if he was shooting us straight, they still don't know who the backup quarterback is going to be at this point. It's a fluid situation. And we know you don't want to have to rely on it. You expect J.J. McCarthy to be out there all the time. But we also know that you're only one play away. We saw that with Jack Tuttle um, a couple weeks ago. And so here's, here's my question. The last three starting quarterbacks at Michigan were all at one point backups at Michigan. Joe Milton was a backup. Cade McNamara was a backup. J.J. McCarthy was a backup. Are you at all concerned that there isn't that guy on the roster right now, that next in line, that this is the guy that if, you know, whether it's injury or J.J. takes off, 
we don't know who that guy is. You know, is it Jaden Davis as a true freshman? Like where is it a portal guy? Are you a little bit concerned that that guy might not be on the roster right now? It's a good question. Yeah, a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. I mean, I, you know, just knock on any all the wood. Knock on all the wood. JJ doesn't get hurt, and then it's not a concern at all. But, no, you're right. I mean, you'd like to think that if your roster is really healthy and you've recruited correctly, that the next guy is waiting in the wings. Like, that's that's the perfect scenario, but it, do, it doesn't have to be that way. Um but a lot of the a lot of the big time programs, it, it kind of is that way. Not always, but and obviously the world of the transfer portal has changed that because if a guy gets beat out or he thinks someone's coming for his job, he'll just leave and go somewhere else where he can play a little more peacefully. Like that has changed things a little bit. But I, I think back to like when Clemson was as hot as any team in the country, they just had boom, five star starter, five star incumbent, and they moved it up, and then there was it just it just kept moving like that. They always had their starter on the on the field who was a four or five star kid and the backup was right there who was also a four or five star kid. And yeah, yeah, Michigan doesn't really seem to have that now. I mean, like Alex Orgy was ranked I think decently as a prospect and we all like a lot of his potential, but he he's not ready to come in and run the offense. I mean, you're kidding yourself if you think that he is. He's not. And no, I don't think anybody on this on the team is. That's why I said I think if you have to throw a guy in there, you might as well go with Jack Tuttle because at least he's played a lot of football before, even though he's a transfer. So, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, look, he has shown a propensity to go out and find exactly what he needs in the portal. So if that's what the move is next year at quarterback, I trust that he'll do it and do it well. He's done it at center a couple of times now. He's added Ernest Hausman. He's added Josiah Stewart. He's added a starting cornerback in Josh Wallace. He's done. He's done it in the past. Mike Dana. There's been guys that have come in and and really carried their weight, and uh, you know that might be the most realistic approach at this point. Because I I don't think you want to, you know, if you if you're talking, we're looking obviously pretty far down the line here. But if you're talking about a true freshman, Jaden Davis, I don't I don't think that's what you want to do. Yeah. And so your original question was, is that guy on the roster right now? Right. Basically. Are you, are you concerned concern that, that, guy that there's might not, not be on the roster right now? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Like I said, a healthier roster. I think that guy would probably be there, but it's tough, man. Cause quarter, you only play one QB and guys don't want to sit and wait. So they, and especially with the portal, how it is, they just hit the road. So that's a tougher thing to do now than it probably ever has been before. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I certainly agree that you can turn to the portal to get a quarterback, assuming that, you know, the caliber of quarterback is in there that you're going to want that, you know, at, at the university of Michigan, but you know, am I concerned that that guy might not be on the roster right now? Yeah. I am a little bit concerned about mm -hmm. it, but I'm also, you know, through four weeks, still the backup quarterbacks total have thrown four, four passes combined, yeah. you know? And so I've just, for me, the biggest question is why haven't we seen more out of these guys? I know it's not a big deal. I don't want to harp too much on the backup quarterback situation, but I do think there's going to come a point in time this year where you're going to need to rely on whether it's a Jack Tuttle, whether it's a Davis Warren, somebody to come in for a little while and have to make some plays. I just think it's inevitable that the season plays out that way, particularly when you have a J.J. McCarthy who is a dual threat, who even said today, you know, if I've got to go and get extra yards and it's a, it's a matter of me going out of bounds or getting the extra yards for the first down, you better believe I'm going to put my shoulder down and get the first down. Like that's the type of mentality he has. And so 
I'm just a little bit puzzled by why, you know, again, even last week, we just haven't seen much run out of these guys. And then Jim Harbaugh today acknowledging that they still really don't know who that QB two is going to be because for the last few years, we've known who the next guy up is right now. We don't know who that guy is. And that's, that's just kind yeah. of a strange place to be a uh, little side note. I'm gonna let this goge Yahoo stay in here. He might learn something here tonight. If he, if he tunes in a little bit and if you think we're losers and what the hell are you, you're listening to us, dumbass. Enjoy. Um, Chris, this is a good, a really good question based on what you just talked about. Um, how did you feel about JJ's usage as a runner then? With all of what we just discussed, yeah, it's Rutgers. I, I, did you need him to run seven? He got sacked once or twice, maybe, I think, actually. Did you need him to run six times for 50 yards? It certainly looks good when it's working, but he is going to take a hit, you know, if he's tucking the ball and keeping it and can't get out of bounds. Like, how did just overall... Big picture, JJ as a runner, he wants to run. He talked about that today. He's been he's been chomping at the bit to run a little bit, and now he got a chance to, and it worked pretty well multiple times. Like, how do you feel about that? Given exactly what you just asked me about, I I, I like it. I like it because I think it's part of JJ's game. And like I said earlier in the show, I think that that's a wrinkle that you know when you incorporate it into this offense, it just makes them so much more dangerous. And Again, if you've got to deal with Donovan Edwards, Blake Corm, and J.J. McCarthy as a running threat, that creates a lot of problems for the defense, and that opens up things for the passing game You know, in the latter part of the game. And so that is certainly an element that I want to see continue to be utilized when it comes to J.J. McCarthy, but it's even more reason why I think it's important that whoever it is that might need to come in, even if it's J.J. needs a couple series out, you know, if, 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 you know, he's got to go in the 10, he's got to get an ankle wrapped or something. It's not anything that's going to keep him out for a week, but you're talking one or two series in today's college football, where the way the clock is one or two series out of seven total offensive <laughs> possessions, that's a big deal. So you got to know who is that guy going to be. And that's why I keep going back to like, I just, I wish we knew who that guy was and that Michigan had a surefire. You know, they don't got to be the starter next year, but this is our QB2. This is a guy that can come in and move the ball down the field. And as of now, the only quarterback on the roster that's completed a pass during a game is Jaden Denigal. He was one for one. Every other quarterback on that roster has not completed a pass this year. And I think that that just puts Michigan in a tight spot if JJ is out running around doing what he does and needs to come out for a series or two. That's crazy because I think if, and I'm not trying to disparage him, but just based on his skill set and kind of where he was as a prospect, I might I put I might put Denigo like fifth on the depth chart. Like, yeah, I mean and that's you know pass. that's reasonable. Maj Morgan was was uh, the one he hit. It was downfield. It was a great pass, and you know I think uh, who is it? Uh, Davis Warren is uh, 0 for three or 0 for four. Maybe he's throwing an interception. Tuttle hasn't mm -hmm. passed the ball. Uh, Alex Orgy hasn't thrown a pass, and Alex Orgy wasn't even uh, dressed. Uh, I mean, he was wearing clothes, but but not dressed <laughs> last weekend. So the Chris was like, damn it. <laughs> the photos I could have got of that guy if he was nude. Oh, my God, Alex Orgy. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the shots out on the beach, dude. Don't I? I he's a specimen. The guy's he's a specimen. Grown no, I, you got to let the guy sling it. You got to let I, Alex Orgy throw a pass. Come on. I, I, I love running quarterbacks. Always have, always will. So, and I, you know, JJ can run. He's a fast kid, but he's, he's, you know, he's a little slight. He's not 230. He's about a buck 90, maybe 200 pounds. Um, yep. 
I like him as a runner. Like, if you could tell me, like, he's not going to get hit, cool. But, like, we just know that's not how it works. He's going to scramble. He's going to take a shot. He's already taken a couple big hits this year. He got popped right in the mouth, you know, whatever yeah. game that was, uh, you know, after kind of getting tripped up from behind. So you don't love it. But I, I, it just – it was one of the – yeah, it was the one of the yeah. first two because I wasn't at the third yeah. one. So, anyway – um. I love him as a runner. I think it adds a, an element to the offense that takes it to a new level, and, and I love that about it. It should make the running game more effective. It should make the play-action game more effective. It should make him as a runner more effective. But, yeah, dude, that that not having a backup even, like, at all. And actually, you know what? To, to address what you said earlier, I actually believe Jim Harbaugh. I don't think they do know because, like, usually stuff like that's kind of obvious. Like, I mean, right. just, oh, that's the guy. Of course that's the guy. Yeah, we knew it was Cade when Milton was out there. We knew it was JJ when Cade was out there. Right. So I, I think I, I tend to believe Jim Harbaugh. I don't think that's, I don't think that's lip service. I don't think it's coach speak. I think they are really still trying to figure it out. I mean, if you know, if JJ went down, I think they, they'd know who they would put in, but I don't think they'd love it. I don't think they'd feel great about it. Um, so we'll, but we'll if, see. But if man. that's, if that's the case, then don't you? I mean, again, I. I don't want to be the guy that's questioning, you know, the two time big 10 champions, you know, two wins <laughs> over Ohio state. But I, I do got a question. Shouldn't you allow them to throw the ball a little bit more in the well, latter part of the game? If you're not playing JJ, you know, hardly at all in the second half, like how do you come out of four weeks with only four passing attempts among, you know, four or five options at quarterback combined? Like to me, that's just, that's crazy. And if it's something they're still trying to figure out, I think, why wouldn't you try to figure it out when you have the opportunity yeah. to do it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you back to you. That sounded like we really went back and forth a couple of times, but that was my yep. question. JJ is yep. a runner there. So that was you your question. okay. All right. So I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip my fourth question here because it's about Donovan Edwards. And I think we've beat that horse to okay. death. We've, we've kind of talked about what, what's going on there and, and, and where we think things are at. So I'm going to go down to question number five, my last question, Brandon. All right. It's a big one. It's a big one. You're going to have to put some thought into this. Mm. After four weeks, now, before I ask you the question, going into the season, I believe you and I were pretty much in the same boat that Michigan's winning a national championship this year, right? Prior to the season, this, that was our belief. This is their best shot to do so for This sure. is the year. And, and we had them at least getting there, right? That yes. We were, okay. So after four weeks, what have you seen from Michigan that gives you the confidence that the Wolverines will still compete for a national championship this year. What have you seen from them that still gives you that confidence? Uh, you threw that word in there right at the last second. That changes my answer a little bit. I'm still going to give you both answers. One thing that I've seen, nobody else is dominant either. So Michigan's just as good as all of those other teams that are picked to make the playoff right now. They're just as good as Ohio State. They could beat Alabama. They could beat Georgia. They could beat LSU, Florida. So like they could beat any one of those teams on a given day. Now, have they played up to their fullest potential yet to where I think if they played tomorrow, they beat those teams? Probably not. But they've got a lot of time to figure it out. They're still gelling on the offensive line. I think JJ's going to continue to get better. I think the offense is going to continue to round into form. I just mentioned it. The secondary, which might be one of the best five-man units in the country, just played its first game together last week and didn't look awesome doing it. There were some there were some bumps in the road there a little bit, especially on that one big play at the beginning of the game. So 
I think there's plenty of room for Michigan to get better. I mean, I haven't watched any of the other teams as much as I've watched Michigan, obviously, but Alabama's got a loss already. You know, Clemson took Florida State down to the wire and probably should have beat them. Um, USC, I don't even know if they have a defense, honestly. Like, yeah, Caleb Williams is amazing. Their offense is scary, but they give up 40 points like it's nothing. I just think Michigan's as good as anybody out there. So that along with the potential for Michigan to still continue to get better, because I don't think they're playing anywhere near as well as they can, makes me think that they're still just fine when it comes to their end goal. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely subscribe to that. I think, you know, for me, and I know that Bowling Green wasn't pretty, but I still haven't forgotten the things we saw from J.J. McCarthy, the footwork, the movement in the pocket, mm -hmm. the vision down the field, some of the throws he's making. I do think he's really... Uh, progressed from last year to this year. Blake Corum, when you look at his numbers, he's pretty much right where he was this time last year. The offensive line, again, if you take Donovan Edwards out of the equa equation, I think they're doing fine. I think offensively at the, the wide receiver position, you've got Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson, two solid targets there, and then an A.J. Barner and a Colson Loveland. So J.J. has plenty of targets there. Plus, you can also utilize Donovan Edwards. The defense has been lights out, and I think that that's something that we know travels. Michigan prides themselves on having a tremendous defense. Started with Mike McDonald, has continued under Jesse Minner, and so I think the defense is elite. They got a couple of their guys back this weekend who are going to be a major factor moving forward, so I have a ton of confidence in, in what I've seen so far. Is there plenty of room for improvement? There's no doubt about it. But I think the other point that you made is is also what gives me confidence in in it also is making this college football season pretty damn yeah. exciting because yeah. there is not a dominant Alabama. There is not a dominant Ohio state, a dominant Clemson, what we've grown accustomed to, um, you know, during the college football playoff era. I mean, people are talking about Washington, you know, being one of the top, they teams look good on offense for sure to stay in the mix. I mean, you've got a number of teams right now that have a legitimate shot at competing for a national championship. So for all those reasons, I still like Michigan's chances in terms of getting there. I do think they're going to get through the season, ultimately end up in Indy. The one that I have a big question mark, right? We talked about it before. Happy Valley, Penn State on the road. We'll see how that turns out. Um, but ultimately, I, I it hasn't been exciting. It hasn't been, you know, we've talked about it. It's not gaudy. There's not a ton of numbers. But Michigan's doing everything they need to do to put themselves in a position to be there at the end. And I think that's what we're going to see. And so I'm not backing off where I started this season at, especially not after 4-0, number two in the country, and everybody healthy. I still got the Wolverines playing for a national championship. Yeah, right there. Oregon, Texas. Throw the, like There's like 10 teams, 12 teams right. where you're like, sure. yeah. they got enough. They got enough to get hot. They got a talented quarterback. They've got this. They've got that. Speed, defense, whatever it might be. I mean, I'm not ruling out Bama yet. Georgia still hasn't lost. LSU looks like they could be dangerous if they put it together. I mentioned USC and Caleb Williams. That's the Heisman winner. There's a lot of teams out there that can do some things, and Michigan's one of them, and, and they're not playing their best football yet. I mean, you could probably say that about most teams at this point. Oregon looks pretty polished. Washington looks pretty polished. I think a lot of teams are are still figuring a lot of stuff out. We know Oklahoma Alabama is. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. Andrew oh. Anthony out there. Oh, I was just – I was about to say, is it, is it going to happen? Did you, did you see his catch last weekend? I mean, listen, if if for those of you in Ann Arbor that thought the guy couldn't catch the football, turn on some <laughs> of the film in uh, in Norman, Oklahoma there. 
Where's Where's CJ? We're just waiting. It was an hour and fourteen. Yeah, he's 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 writing it down right now. All that right, might be, that might be the latest mention. There we go. There we go. There we go. All right, Chris. I actually have two left. One will be kind of like a closeout question. It'll actually be good because we'll look ahead yeah. to Nebraska a little bit. But I wanted to talk about Rod Moore. Probably should have put this earlier. I usually try to go like player specific, then team specific, then big picture. So this is out of order a little bit. But Rod Moore returned to the lineup. I know we're both extremely high on him. He looks awesome in the number nine. Uh, big, big part of that defense. Coach on the field. He's been described all of those ways. Um, he came up on a bad angle, missed the tackle in the open field. That's not him. Like he is the opposite of that. Like he's trusty. He's like Mike Sanderson, always in the right place at the right time, yeah, yeah. doesn't blow plays. It was rust. It was maybe he's a little hurt still. I mean, there was a lot of discussion in uh, going on up in the box about that on Twitter, about why that play happened. So Rod Moore, first game back. First of all, he didn't record a stat, to my knowledge. He didn't record a tackle. He didn't really make a mark on the game other than that bad one. He played 24 of 46 defensive snaps. So he was only out there about half the time. What's a letter grade for Rod Moore in this return? Uh, I don't know. A, a B, you know, solid, solid B performance. I mean, you know, he, again, he was out the first uh, three weeks. It's your first game back. You kind of, you know, you're getting your sea legs and, and, and I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to come down on the guy for, you know, for his first game back. And then when you factor in, you know how important he is and how skilled he is. And, and it's just a matter of shaking the rust off. So, I don't think it was a terrible performance. I'm I'm going C. I'm just going to I mean it oh. is it's it's a rust. It's a um you know maybe he's not 100%. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean I think but but he like I said that was a very unrod more like play to start that game and let Rutgers get into the end zone. I just, he just doesn't do that. Him and Mikey just don't make miss they don't miss tackles. They don't take bad angles. They don't miss plays. So like I said, whether it was rust, whether it was he's not 100%, whatever the case is, he only played half the snaps, so he's not he's he's on a pitch count, it's, it looks like. Either that or he was working through something still. I, I don't know, and that's, that's another thing that's been kind of weird. We saw Will Johnson play the eight snaps one day. We saw Makari mm -hmm. Page play the 10 snaps. Now Rod Moore's back. He only plays half the snaps in a Big Ten game, and you know, didn't look, didn't look like he, like himself, I guess is a, a softer way to put it. I mean, like he didn't suck, but yeah. you know, no stats for him. And he made like the one time you noticed him was like, Ooh, because of a bad play. So like, because of that, I think it wasn't his best day for sure. So we'll see I'm, how uh, that continues to look next week. I'm going to take the over. <laughs> Chris is taking the over on uh, Ron Moore being good. Ron, Ron Moore. Moore. What is that? His cousin? I said Rod. No, I think we need to play the tape back. That was a that was a Ron Moore for sure. I was, I was putting my head down, Rod Moore. I don't know. I'm nasally, dude. I'm a nasally guy. All right. Ronnie I know Moore? His, I know his name's Ron Moore with a mustache. <laughs> Comes out there still wearing the different number nine. nine. Wearing number 19 like last year. All right. Last question. We'll get out of here on this one. This'll this'll get us looking to Nebraska a little a little bit. Um Trevor Keegan said probably one of his favorite places to play on the road, super mm. loud, just a, a crazy environment, but the fans were super nice. And apparently they're doing some triple option stuff there. Now I've saw a couple people talking about that. Uh, Matt rule, you know, I don't know. He's figuring it out. They're now two and two. They haven't beat anybody. They lost to uh, Minnesota. They got trounced by Colorado who now looks like they're not world beaters. Um, 
Also worth noting that they prepare every game like they're playing for Michigan. They're playing like like they're they're going to play Michigan. That's that is, a, that is a quote from yeah. one of their players. So what you know, I love my one to scale, one to ten scale questions, Chris. One to ten worry level playing the Huskers in Lincoln. One to ten. Mm, it's a four at this point. Okay. Um, I do believe Michigan is the better football team. I think the defense will travel. And the only reason it's it's at a four is really because it's a road environment. That's a, that's a tough building to win a football game in. I don't care who you are, especially when you're a top-rated team coming in. I mean, you better believe that Nebraska. Look, Nebraska hasn't had a great start to the season. Matt Rule hasn't had the start to the season that he wants. You can make up a lot of ground and buy a lot of goodwill with the fan base if you beat number two Michigan in Lincoln. And so I think Nebraska is going to be ready for it, but I'm still just at a four. I think they're going to be overmatched on both sides of the ball. And I think I'm I'm going with what you said earlier in the show, Brandon. You kind of alluded to. I think we're going to get – I'm going to keep saying it till it happens, God damn it. We're going to get a big, big performance from one Mr. Donovan Edwards on Saturday. <laughs> on the road – it's going to look speaking very, it into existence, man. I'm That's where keep I'm at. Speaking it until it happens. Big performance from Donovan Edwards on the road. And then you look at his numbers after that and you'll say, well, okay, everything looks pretty similar to what it looked like last year. All will be right with the world. I'm I'm actually going to go a three, Chris. I mean, I'm with you. I'm just not that worried about them. The roads, the road can be tricky. But they're not ready. That's that's a team that's not ready to play with Michigan yet. Um, the, the changes, the system changes. You know, they're starting. Yeah, Jeff Sims, uh, I don't think is playing. I think he's hurt. Uh, you know, that's the guy that they started their season. He was a turnover. Oh, he's not machine. playing. Okay, so I don't think so. I, I could be wrong on that. That might need a little bit more research. But I know he was dinged up and he was not playing. Uh, he didn't play last week, if I'm not mistaken. Let me see if there's uh jeff sims injury status revealed did he play against louisiana tech i know he missed, i know he was hurt and he missed some time somebody in the in the comments might yeah okay he didn't he did not suit up for nebraska this past week when they beat louisiana tech um he injured his ankle in the fourth quarter against colorado and they held him out and so yeah they've got some that's why they're doing some different stuff with the option and they're yeah it's it's weird now but i mean like you know I don't know. Jeff Sims is kind of like a scary player because he's 6'4", 225, and he can run like a deer, but he also really likes to throw it to the other team. So it's like it might be better for Michigan if he was in there. I, so yeah, there, there's a little bit of a wild card when it comes to that and their personnel and what they're doing with the, the new new regime. I don't like but, wild cards. I like known commodities, Brandon. I'm I don't with like you. Like I, I'm just not worried about them at this point. So I, I'll say a three. I think Michigan's going to um, probably easier than they did Rutgers. I think, I mean, I like, you know, I think you said it earlier, right? I said, which one would you be more afraid of? You said Rutgers. Yeah. So I, I think that's the, that's probably the best way to look at it right now. Um, can you hear the music, Chris? I remember I did I this one time. Okay, good. We're getting ready to fade it on out. Now we're approaching an hour and a half. We just love talking ball. It's a couple of dinks. Was somebody dogging my headset earlier? Somebody's like, hey, uh, Brandon, when are you going to get a nice, cool microphone like Chris? You like the gamer headset. Perfect. Sounds good. It. Easy, portable. Just like oh. you, Brandon. Easy and portable. Well, think about it. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> pretty accurate at the point. 
Um, feeling, feeling great. We'll be back on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Um, that's Fan Led Wednesday. Bring your questions, bring your discussions, and we'll. Uh... Oh, 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 CJ, thank you. One Joe Milton just busted off like a 22 mile an hour scamper into the end zone. Oh, you man. don't think your boy can get 15? No. Yeah, I'm getting 15. I'm getting 15. I'm just going to get a shirt with the giant 15 on the front of it. Just... Maybe but 15 stitches. I'm not doing it that Chris wants to. He was like, let's go right now. He wants to drive in a car next to me on a street. Not doing yeah. that. No. This needs to be official. This needs to be. Or we Okay. Or we need to get one of those, you know, the, on the side That's of the fine. road where it tells you how fast you're going. I would do that. I think you have one of those in your hometown. We can pull over there and make it happen. <laughs> I can't wait till this goes down. We need to field some punts at some point. Too. All right. We're getting out of here. Wednesday, 7 o'clock. 